Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Welcome to the Saturday Slam and Jam. Hosted by Andrew Schlicht with Alex Spears. How about we can just watch basketball? That's a man's jam! I like that idea. Live from Oklahoma. With questions and participants from all around the world. Put that on a poster! Whether you're flipping your flapjacks, tending to your yard, or just sipping your coffee, get ready, sit back, relax. It's the Saturday Slammin' Jam. Back is, I missed this shot, I walk away, I'm still a chump. Here's Andrew. Welcome to the Saturday Slam and Jam. I'm your host, Andrew Select. Go to theathletic.com slash NBA show and get The Athletic for $1 a month for six months. Uh, it's almost robbery, I would say, because you get so much great content. You can go uh, read a piece that Sam Amick wrote. He talked to a bunch of executives around the NBA about uh, some certain rumors around the Lakers, and maybe there's even a Thunder rumor in there. What? Go check that out at theathletic.com slash NBA show. You can also listen to this show ad-free. If you don't like ads, there's a real easy way around that. You can listen on the Athletic app. Uh, with me, as always, here for the Saturday Slam and Jam is my good friend Alex Spears. Alex, tell me what happened in the NBA this week. Well, Andrew, it all started last Friday night. With the Indiana Pacers beating the Miami Heat 101-99, to the Pacers have gotten off to a surprising 5-6 and six start. Behind Tyrese Halliburton and rookie Benedict Matherin, Matherin is averaging 20 points per game through his first 11 NBA games <laughs> while shooting 44% from three on six and a half attempts per game. Now, if that's not impressive enough for you because you're a miserable person, later in the week, in a game against the Nuggets, he scored 23 points in the first half alone. Sheesh. Wow. On Saturday night, the Atlanta Hawks won in overtime against the New Orleans Pelicans, 124-121. to DeJounte Murray had a triple-double. Clint Capella had 21-19. and Trey Young went for 34-10. and The Hawks, who were so disappointing last year, are off to an 8-4 start. Now, last year, it was all about the offense. They were the second-ranked offense, according to Cleaning the Glass, but the 26th-ranked defense. Yeah. This season... It's the 14th-ranked offense lagging behind the 8th-ranked defense. Wow. And all of this is happening with Trey Young shooting under 38% from the field to start the season. If Trey and missing starts, games. And, and missing, missing games, games too. They beat the Bucs without him. Yeah. Beat him without him. If Trey starts hitting his shots, Andrew, you better watch out. <laughs> you better uh, on Sunday night, Cleveland defeated the Lakers 114 to 110 behind 33 points from Donovan Mitchell. The Cavs are 8 and 3, second in the East, and according to Cleaning the Glass, the only team in the league to have both a top five offense and a top five defense. The only one, Andrew. Look it up if you don't believe me. The Lakers, on the other hand, have dropped to 2 and 9, only a half game up on the Houston Rockets for the worst record in the league. The good news for Lakers fans, 
Well, we are two weeks away from Thanksgiving, the arbitrary <laughs> deadline that Rob Palinka set, after which he might be willing to make a trade. Oh, and also, no. oh, also no. for Lakers fans, uh, Twitter is about to go bankrupt, which means there will be one less place making fun of your terrible team. So that's good, too. <laughs> On Monday night, the Portland Trailblazers beat the Miami Heat 110-107 to 107 after Josh Hart hit a buzzer-beating game-winning three in the corner, only seconds after Miami had tied it up with a three of their own. That would be the start of a three-game winning streak for Portland, including wins over Charlotte and New Orleans. The Blazers are 9-3, second in the West, and most importantly, for anyone who has followed the Blazers in recent years, currently have the seventh-ranked defense in the NBA. Everything is rosy in Portland right now, Andrew. The sun is occasionally shining. The Blazers are getting new jerseys based on the airport's carpet. Gary Payton II is back soon. I'm one burrito away from a free burrito at La Bonita. It's a beautiful time to be alive in Portland, Oregon. On Tuesday night, there were no games because of uh, Election Day. With no games, I was forced to catch up on the latest cave diving tragedy videos I've been saving up on YouTube. On Wednesday night, the Sacramento Kings got their biggest win of the season, defeating the Cleveland Cavaliers 127-120. The Kings are 4-2 in their last six, and those two losses were both by three points, and one of those losses was because of a Tyler Hero game-winning three, a play on which Hero traveled, but was not called for. My point being that the Kings are playing better, and their upcoming schedule, Lakers, Warriors, Nets, Spurs, Pistons, is doable. Yeah. Please, Kings, please, I need you to Come be on. decent. I know. Well, and also, the other one was on the, the Clay Thompson foul, which he... Yeah. He, exactly. he fouled Kevin Herter a thousand times on his way to shoot that basketball. So I almost count that as a win, to be honest. So yeah. So in my mind, they're six and zero in their last six. Yeah. yeah. And our yeah. pick of them as a surprise team looks amazing. <laughs> we don't look like absolute <laughs> buffoons. Okay. Uh, finally, on Thursday night, let's check in on the Wiz. It was only a few weeks ago that Andrew gave them some props on this very show, and they I responded. Did by immediately losing three games in a row. Well, it's true. on Thursday night, the Wiz without Bradley Beal beat the Dallas Mavericks 113-105. to 105. Washington yep. held Luka to a season-low 22 points, while Kyle Kuzma scored 36 to go along go with Kuz. 11 rebounds, 6 assists, and 5 three-pointers. The Wizards have clawed their way back to 500, currently 6-6, six and six, and in the sixth spot in the East. For the Mavs, is the all-Luka all-the-time strategy already hitting some road bumps? Dalton Trigg tweeted that in the post-game presser, Luka admitted that he's really felt the fatigue of his start to the season over these last few games, but also says it's not an excuse. The Mavs are 6-5 with the 12th-ranked offense and the 9th-ranked defense. What a week of basketball it was, Andrew. What a fun week. We had uh, 15 games on... Monday night, which was quite a joy to cover for the Daily Ding. I hope you guys listened to that episode. It was, uh, it was, it was a lot. It was a lot of basketball. It was a lot of great basketball, in fact. Uh, one place where we're not seeing the best basketball, but still some decent basketball, is in San Antonio. And this week, the Spurs have been bouncing back and forth between the 29th and the 30th ranked defense in the league. And it got me thinking, when was the last time that, that the Spurs had a bottom five defense? So I went to NBA.com slash stats, and I just started looking at it. I was just like, where where are we going to see this bottom five defense? And I thought maybe in the last few years, maybe we would see it. And they weren't a bottom five defense at all since 1819, 
when kind of the bottom dropped out a little bit. And then you start looking back and it's like, holy smokes, when were they not a top 10 defense? I mean, if you look back from 1617 all the way to 1998, it's fourth, first, first, third, fourth, third, 11th, 10th, 9th, 5th, 3rd, 2nd, 1st, 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 3rd, 2nd, 1st, 2nd, 1st, 2nd. Wow. They were pretty this good. Is they, a, like they were pretty good. It, so you do get to 96, 97. They were the last ranked defense in the league, 29th when there was only 29 teams. And it had been 26 years of them not having a bottom five defense which is just astonishing. And that was just like the one blip year. And this is this is interesting because that's the year that they got Tim Duncan. And so if I'm the Spurs, I'm like, let's rank at the bottom because it's a, it's a nice omen to get our next star for the next 26-year run of not ever having a bottom five defense. Like they might be able to pull this off. I just thought that that was very interesting. And then I, I dug in a little bit to that, the year, the 96, 97 year. Um, so Bob Hill started that year as the coach. He coached 18 games. They were three and 15. And then Greg Popovich became the coach of the Spurs. Do you know, Alex, who hired Greg Popovich to be the coach of the Spurs halfway through that season? Uh, uh, it's going to be a name I know. And it will. It's an. It is. A, it is. An, it is definitely a name that you know. Mm. I, I have no idea. It was Greg himself put himself in that position because oh, well, that he was, was a hired. Bit of a trick question, Andrew. That's it was. He was. Question. He was hired as the general manager in '94, and then fired Bob Hill, 18 games into that season, and then hired himself as the head coach, and so he was head coach and GM until 2002. But I just thought that was fascinating. And then it got got me thinking. I interviewed Andrew Gaze, who was on the Spurs in 99. And Pop nearly lost his job that season. So the Spurs started that season 6-8. I, I thought he was still the GM in this scenario. Would he have fired well, I himself? Guess the, I guess the ownership was was like kind of done with Pop. Oh, so like the owner would fire. I mean, the owner would fire him if he's like president of basketball ops and the head coach. They would have to just let, like, get him out of there. But Andrew Gay said that there was like legitimate talk on the bus right before this game against the Rockets. They were six and eight to start the season, and he Andrew Gaze was like he he said he was just basically just like a a bit player for them, just kind of along yeah. for the ride, and. He said he could hear guys on the back of the bus talking about, like, if we don't go win this game, Pop's going to get fired. And that, to me, like, Pop getting fired in 99 would have been wild. They ended up winning that game. In fact, they ended up winning 18 of their next 20 games oh, wow. after they, they beat Houston. But it's just, like, one of those weird, like, sliding doors moments that you don't think about with this Spurs team that, like, had they actually... Maybe they lose that game. Like, you can lose any game. You know, we see that all the time with, like, the... The Pacers winning just like some rando game here. Like any team can beat any team in the NBA on a given night. And like if that happened, like what does the rest of the Spurs look like? Anyways, the Spurs defense sucks and it's about time because it's been 26 years. That's long enough. And now they're probably going to get Vic and, you know, congratulations Spurs fans. But, you know, I just thought, I just thought that that was interesting that the last time they had a defense this bad was when they got Tim Duncan. You know, for a tanking season, you got to give the Spurs credit because. Yes, they are. They're clearly shifting towards tanking. It feels that way, and especially yeah. like over the last couple of weeks. 
but you're still getting like incredible jumps from guys like Devin Vassell and Kelvin oh, Johnson. Devin, Devin Vassell, like, you got to feel so good about Devin Vassell. Like yes. there's still a lot to be excited about as a Spurs fan, even as in the midst of this season that's kind of going to be an outlier, you you would assume. Yeah. Well, they're, if they get the first or second pick in this next draft, like that's, that is the kind of player they're missing to just plug in there and be like, hey, you can be the center of the Spurs solar system now. Because yeah, we have Vassell, sure. we, we've got guys in place to play off these guys. I mean, they drafted Jeremy Sohan, who I think is going to be a great player in this league, too. I mean, they've, they're set up very well. And this, hey, you, you can I've, plug in Scoot, too. That works as That's well. what I'm saying. They, don't, Either they, one. they need a point guard. Yeah. Uh, well, that's a great lead-in to uh, my segment, Andrew, because uh, as listeners of a longtime listeners of the show will remember, last year I did something called the Fake Surprise Team. Now, the mm-hmm. idea with this was every year some team gets off to a really hot start and every year we get really excited about this team and then not only do they fall off, they don't even make the playoffs. And this has been the yeah. case for the last decade. There has been at least one team who came into the season with the expectation based on their over-under that they were going to be a below 500 team. They end up being a top four seed within the first 10 games of the season. And then they end up missing the playoffs entirely. Now, last year, you will remember that I pegged the Washington Wizards to be the fake surprise team. They had gotten off to a hot start. They were five and three. They were a top four seed in the East with an over under of 33 and a half. We were talking about them. Oh, this is exciting. This is going to be something interesting. (laughs) Uh, It was not. They uh, no, no, to to their credit, they did have a major injury with Bradley Beal missing a significant portion of the season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They ended up falling not just into the play, and they ended up falling to the 12th in the Eastern Conference. They weren't the only ones, though. The Knicks, actually, as I was going back, counted as well because they got off to a 5-2 and two start with a 41.5 over-under. And similarly, they ended up in the 11th seed. And so going mm-hmm. back, there's been a team like this every year, at least one per year. And last year, I had a lot of options to choose from. I think there were like yeah. six teams that qualified. This year is not the case. And as a result, the fake surprise team is not going to be that interesting. So don't worry. We're going to talk about something else. But in the East, there's no candidates. There's no candidates. Because if you look at the standings over the first 10 games, it's basically been all the good teams right from the jump. You know, you'll yeah. see Milwaukee up there. You'll see uh, Cleveland up there. Uh, Atlanta's up there. All these teams were projected to be over 500 teams. So there's really no one to choose. In the West, however, you have three options. Now, the one you're already probably thinking of is the one, uh, you know, everyone's been talking about the Utah Jazz after their yep. hot 10-3 and three start. But there's also the Portland Trailblazers, who are 9-3. and three. Mm-hmm. And there's mm-hmm. also the San Antonio Spurs, who Andrew just talked about, who at once mm-hmm. upon a time were 5-2 and two and were a top four seed and technically would count and qualify for this. And because of that, they are the obvious and easy choice. And then they lost five in a row. <laughs> yes, where it's not even it's not even a conversation. This isn't bold of me in any way. Mm-hmm. Uh, some some of the things I typically look for though for teams like this is one I want to see who they beat, yeah. and just comparing these teams like you know San Antonio's had two nice wins at Philadelphia and against Chicago. They've beat Minnesota, which may not be impressive anymore. Not as impressive as it once seemed. Yes. Yeah. And you compare them to Utah and Portland, who are racking up wins against very good teams. Like Utah has beaten Denver, New Orleans, Memphis twice, Atlanta, and the Clippers. Portland has beat Phoenix twice, Denver, Miami, and New Orleans. So 
right there, you're saying, okay, the Spurs, maybe this is a little fishy. Three-pointers against, so opponent shooting against them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This one is actually interesting uh, against the Jazz. The Jazz are currently giving up 32.3% from three from their opponents, which is by far wow. the worst in the league. And it's typically worst, one of yeah. those things that evens out over the course mm-hmm. of the season. Yep. Looking at offensive and defensive rankings, this is where it really becomes stark. You know, Utah second ranked defense or second ranked offense, seventeenth ranked defense. Portland is seventeenth ranked offense, ninth ranked defense. San Antonio is already down to twenty second offense, 29th defense. Or actually, probably third. Well, I'm using cleaning the glass. That's why yeah. it might be a little different. Their point no, differential, yeah, on NBA.com too. Oh, okay, yeah. their point differential is already a minus seven point two. Okay, yeah. so we get it. The San Antonio Spurs are this year's fake surprise team. That's not exciting to anyone. But this led me to start thinking about one of those other teams, which is the Utah Jazz, because mm-hmm. Utah has gotten off to this 10-3 and start. And I saw someone on Twitter the other day, uh, you know, note that they were the first team, you know, to win 10 games. First team to yep. win 10 games. And uh, that's one of those things that probably doesn't mean anything, or at least, I, you know, it sounds cool to be the first to win 10 games, but it probably mm-hmm. doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. Or does it, Andrew? Tell me. Tell or me. Or does it? So I went back 40 years in the Western Conference. Oh, my. I was able to look at every single team that was the first to win 10 games in the Western Conference. And as a backdrop to this, you mentioned that Sam Amick article where he's interviewing front office executives. One of the big Mm -hmm. takeaways from that article is how many front office executives are like not phased by this start by the Jazz at all. Yeah. They, you know, like front office executive number four, this person mm-hmm. said, they're all going to self-correct. I think Utah will be there in the end. San Antonio mm-hmm. will be there in the end, talking about tanking. Mm-hmm. When you ask, he had a whole section called, what will Danny do? A lot of these guys, like front office executive number six, Utah has to trade multiple guys to tank, but they still might do that. Like yeah. people, a lot of the, at least within the front offices, people think that the Jazz are going to make their turn towards tanking soon. But Andrew, looking through history, can they even do it? Because going back 40 years, the team to have won 10 games first in the Western Conference has won, never missed the playoffs. Never in 40 years. Wow. Wow. The worst final seeding was the 91-92 Lakers, who finished as the eighth seed. Everyone else at least finished as the sixth seed, which is relevant for like the playoff play-in discussion. Yeah. The other thing that kind of uh, surprised me was the lowest over-under for a Western Conference first to 10 team, which is what I'm calling them, was 39 for the 06-07 Utah Jazz. Wow. Oh, heard, heard about them. So wow. what Utah is doing is kind of unprecedented. You know, mm-hmm. first first to 10 games, it's, you know, it, it yeah, it probably doesn't mean anything. But yeah, looking yeah. at these teams... Among that group, they are so unique. I mean, their over-under this year was 23 and a half. Of all these other teams of the last 40 years, the next closest was a Utah Jazz team with a 39 over-under. And then I started looking at, okay, how did these teams perform? Was this predictive of anything? Out of those 40 teams, 25 made it at least to the Western Conference Finals. (laughs) 25 of the 40... Made Are you trying to predict the uh, Utah Finals. Jazz Western Conference Finals birth here? Andrew, I'm telling you, <laughs> 10 of them, 
were the champions. The champions. Now, again, 15, 15 of these 40 teams either went out in the first round or the second round. So that's entirely yeah. possible. Yeah, yeah. But I just thought it was interesting because there's an element to the, what's going on with Utah now where you're telling yourself, oh, I've seen something like this before. You know, whether it was yeah. that, remember that uh, Phoenix Suns team with uh, uh, Goran Dragic and Isaiah Wood Thomas? Dra- yes. And yes. everyone thought they were going to be terrible and they end up winning like 48 games. And I, I think they still missed the playoffs that year. They still missed the playoffs, yes. But it was like very exciting. They were a, a, definitely a surprise team that year. Yes. This is something different, though. Like, this is even beyond that. And this little exercise I did just kind of hammered that home for me. I mean, this is a team Mm -hmm. that, not just because of the over-under, but the fact that they got off to this hot of a start. And you look at their strength of schedule, it's not like they had some cake schedule. Their strength of schedule so far has been the eighth toughest in the league. So they're doing this against all these teams that we think are really good and who have been really good to start the season. I don't know what this means, Andrew, but it does make me feel like those front office executives, uh, they got to take a second look, Andrew. They got to take a second look here. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot of things. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure they obviously know a lot more than we do, but then there's also just like an element of there's some things that people just don't know. You know, we just don't know. This is this is like uncharted waters for a team that looked like they were tearing everything down. They acquired all these picks, but then, you know, Colin Sexton's off to a nice start. And Larry Markinen's like one of the stories of this season. And, you know, he's shooting 52% from the field, but 34% from three on six attempts. Like, that doesn't feel unsustainable. You know, Sexton's only averaging 13 points a game. Like, that doesn't feel unsustainable. Yeah, uh, Mike Conley is like twelve and eight. Okay, <laughs> you know, like there's like nothing in like when you like break down the numbers, it's not like this is oh this is insane. Like this can't continue, kind of talk. It's and then like they are getting some hot shooting from like Clarkson, Mike Conley, Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt on low attempts, and Kelly Olynyk are all shooting above forty percent from three. But when you watch the way they play, like they just share the ball really well, and they play like a really great brand of basketball and will hardy has done a really good job so it's hard to see like a dramatic fall off like i could i could see a world where they're in the play-in you know but unless they do a fire sale in the middle of the season which is hard to do by the way like it's not easy to sell off all these parts and we saw the way that sam presti had to do in oklahoma city he had to wait until the following off season he traded everything they had their chris paul year where they had Chris Paul and Schroeder and Steven Adams and everybody and they were the fifth seed yeah, in the West. And, and that example kind of makes me think like if this was just a normal draft class and you didn't yeah. have the generational Victor Wembanyama, would yeah, everybody yeah. be much more willing to say, yeah, maybe this will just be kind of their gap year like OKC had where they have this kind of fun team that kind of surprises everyone maybe they make the playoffs they have a competitive right. first round and then they blow it up the following summer but because when Binyama is there because scoot is there mm-hmm. there's almost like this assumption that like well they have to go for it now because this is their opportunity like they have to trade away some guys and tank eventually because of the right. opportunity in front of them and that's what makes this whole uh this this whole decision so interesting to me And it makes it all the more interesting now that I've seen what the first to 10 teams have done in the Western Conference. Now, if you are a Jazz fan out there and you're Mm -hmm. thinking to yourself, 
maybe you had already bought into the tank. You were you were gung ho about the tank. You're saying, mm-hmm. "Let's go get Victor." This I'm mm-hmm. all in. I don't I don't I'm not worrying about this season. Brick is there brick. any is there any hope? Well, I also did the same thing for the Eastern Conference, mm. and I started going back. And in the last thirty years, uh, no hope. Well, actually, in the last twenty nine <laughs> years, no hope. All of those teams <laughs> who were the first to ten wins in the Eastern Conference made the playoffs. But in that, the modern NBA, in the yeah. modern NBA. But the thirtieth team, Andrew, the nineteen ninety two ninety three Milwaukee Bucks, coached okay. by new head coach Mike Dunleavy, they got off to a ten and three start exactly the same as the Utah Jazz, finished with 28 wins. Hmm. So hmm. it is possible to be terrible after having an amazing start. They were the one team out of, let's see, that was 70 teams in both yeah. conferences that had that dramatic of a shift. All the rest of these teams, all of these 69 other teams made the playoffs. <laughs> but that is a little bit of hope if you're one of these Jazz fans who are kind of all in on the tank. Yeah. But yeah, like everyone else, I'm just fascinated by this story. I'm so yeah. excited to see where it goes because it's not just an on-the-court basketball story. It is that, and that part of it is interesting because it's this surprise. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I didn't realize the Jazz were going to be this. But then there's this whole other angle to it with Victor and Scoot where it's like, and it's Danny Ainge of all people. And Danny Ainge, yeah. Which which just makes it this one bef- of – yeah. It makes it one of the most like compelling stories to follow over the course of the season because it could happen at any time. Like you have to wonder if Danny Ainge is really planning to blow this all up, like all of these front office executives assume based on Sam Amick's reporting. Mm-hmm. Like at some point, they've won too many games, so like he would have to yep. make a decision rather quickly. And you wonder when you're getting off to a ten and three start, which, as I just explained, is like historically great and sets you yeah. up in a very good way. Does that have to come sooner rather than later? Like, can he not wait? In two weeks, they could have 15 wins. And that's 15, 15 wins before wins. Christmas. If you have 15 wins before Christmas, you're not, you, you basically can't tank. You can't tank. You know? Yeah. yeah. So, so it's, uh, it's yes. very interesting. Yeah. So I'm, I'm pumped about this entire story. Everything about it is interesting. <laughs> On court, so off good. court, everything. Speaking of tanking, we're going to talk to James Edwards III about the Detroit Pistons right after this. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply. Okay, Andrew, it is now time for the Wheel of Fandom, the weekly segment where we spin a digital wheel. It lands on a team and we become fans of that team for the next week. And last week, the Wheel of Fandom landed on 
the Detroit Pistons. The Pistons are currently three and nine. They went one and two this week with losses to the Celtics and Cavs and a comeback win over the Thunder. According to Cleaning the Glass, the Pistons are 27th in offense, last in defense. Andrew, if the Pistons are our favorite team this week, who is our guest? Oh, we had one choice. That was it. James Edwards III (laughs) from The Athletic, the best Pistons beat writer, the only person I want to hear talk about or read about the Pistons. It's James Edwards III. James, what's up? Hey, thank you, man. Good to see you, Andrew. Uh, Appreciate you, Alex. This is a honor to be on the show again. I'm assuming I'm not the second. I'm not the first repeater, though. I did this early when you guys started. Like I might have been the first guest. You did. You very early on. We've had we've had several repeats. I, I think figured. Eric Name has been on several times. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it's always great to have you back. Always oh, great to I talk to you. Appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. Um, let's uh, let's talk about this Pistons team. They're let's coming see. off of uh, three straight seasons of twenty three wins or fewer. They're currently three and nine. What is your general impression of the mood of the Pistons fan base? Are fans <laughs> still fully bought in? To the slow rebuild, or are they getting a little, little ants in their pants about this team? Oh, they're they're a hundred percent antsy. I think, I think a lot of it is due to the casual fan kind of jumping back on board. Um, hmm. With Cade's excitement last year, the draft before that, getting Sadiq and uh, Isaiah Stewart, and then they get the local guy in the second round, uh, Isaiah Livers out of Michigan. This year, they yeah. end up with two first round picks and Jaden Ivey and, and Jalen Duran. So people that haven't been paying attention to the Pistons for a while, I think, came back this year and expected a good team, not really knowing that basketball is a much different beast than other sports when it comes to implementing youth. I think the Pistons technically are the ninth youngest team in the league, but that's Mm -hmm. skewed because Corey Joseph, who's in his 30s, Rodney Magruder, who's in his 30s, Nerlens Noel, who's in his late 20s, they don't play, and... Uh, Alec Burks has been out all year, who's in his 30s. So I would Mm -hmm. imagine Mm -hmm. in terms of rotation, they have to be up there, if not the youngest, like top four. So, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, the the fans are antsy. They expected this team to win more. The Pistons' schedule to start has been kind of brutal. They don't want to hear that as an excuse. If you look, the Pistons are 30th in defense. That is true. But if you look at who else is terrible at defense, aside from OKC, all of them are young. All of them, the youngest yep. teams in the league, like that's pretty standard. So, they, they definitely have, they definitely can improve, and they definitely can be better. Uh, but I definitely think, and people are like, I see like people starting to turn on Cade a little bit. Like it's just, mm-hmm. it, it's a tortured fan, but this is a tortured sports town. It's one of the greatest <laughs> sports towns in the country. But all four sports teams have been rebuilding for. Well, the Pistons were the latest, but everybody's just. I mean, the Lions are the worst sports teams of all time. Tigers and Red Wings have been rebuilding, and uh, the Pistons joined the joined the group about two or three years ago. So it's it's a frustrating town right now. It, it was interesting though because like in the preseason they were the most bet over, so it wasn't just <laughs> Pistons fans who were excited about this team, and not that they can't you know come back and and beat their over. But do you think that was mostly because of excitement about Cade, um, just seeing him going into his second year, about to make whatever jump he's going to make? I mean, it had to be right. Like, what else? happened that would they they got Boyan but I'd imagine most of those bets were placed before Boyan got there because he came a week into camp a week yeah. a, a week yeah. after yeah. camp they had traded Jeremy Grant they had trade they had got rid of Kelly Olenek like I said in the Boyan mm-hmm. trade like it had to be the Kate effect 
Um, and I think Cade has had really good games. He's had he's struggled. He had his maybe his worst game as a pro the other night. But like, I don't know. It's I blame Seth Part now. Yeah, I blame Seth, and then I blame <laughs> our, our good friend Kevin O'Connor for having Killian number one on his big board in 2020. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, speaking of Cade, he's had a mostly good start of the season. He's averaging yeah. almost 26-6, and six, which is a statistical benchmark that has only been reached by a handful of players in NBA history in their second season. Um, on the other hand, he is shooting under 30% from three, and in that most recent game against Boston, only had four points. You wrote an article about his mid-range game, which has exploded this season, doubling his attempts per game, shooting the seventh most mid-range jumpers in the NBA. What was behind that shift in his shot selection? I think there's two things to it. Um, well, first, I want to talk about the three-point thing. That is a legitimate concern at this point. Um, he did shoot the better the second half of last year, but he, he's gotten good looks and he shot 40% from three in college. He's one of those guys that is still adjusting to the NBA line. And he has such a line drive shot that there's no room for error. So he's, he might have to tweak his shot at some point. Um, but I think the biggest adjustment was if you watch the first four or five games of the season this year, Cade, Cade naturally, I think when, when you look at kind of his short history in the league takes a second to ease into a, uh, a return to play. Um, obviously, he struggled when he came back from the when he started his career last year after going through the ankle injury. Struggled after COVID. Struggled after the All Star break. Anytime he kind of takes a break, it takes him a second to get going, um, and that was the case a little bit to start this year. But I also think a lot of that was he was going into the trees, um, and he's not the most athletic guy, and he was challenging big men at the rim, and it was not working out for him. I don't know how to find like the most which player gets their shot blocked the most. But I imagine if you looked at the first week and a half in the season, Cade had to be up there. Um, he was just really struggling in, in the paint. And and I think it's a testament to how smart of a player he is. He was good at the mid-range last year. I wrote a similar piece halfway through last year. But this year, he just got to it, got more comfortable, figured out. He looked in the mirror and realized, I'm not going to be able to finish over a lot of these guys. So he's getting to his spots and shooting over smaller guards, which is his benefit. So... I think it's just a testament to how smart of a player he is and um, him having that touch kind of in the, the five to 18 foot area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Jay Nivey was selected fifth in this last year's draft. He's off to a good start, averaging over 15 points per game for Detroit with highlight plays on almost every single night. Yeah. Uh, what have you thought about his early season play and then specifically his fit with Cade? Yeah, I think he's, I think he slightly exceeded my expectations, and I say that because I didn't expect him to be as good of a passer as he's been. Um, mm-hmm. His ability to get two feet into the paint and make the right read and kick out has been something that I thought he would struggle with, especially early on, but maybe even throughout most of his career. But he's he he uh, he nipped that in the bud immediately. He's made some great reads. He hasn't turned the ball over a bunch for a guy who's so young and so frantic and which I I shouldn't say frantic, it's controlled chaos, but for a guy that plays with that speed, he hasn't been as turnover prone as you'd expect. Um, The shooting is very streaky. It's starting to to dip uh, with each game. Um, The mid range, he's got to find a way to, to, to be more effective there. But when he gets to the rim, he's really good. He's had some good defensive plays, some bad ones, very rookie type stuff, Uh, but he's been rebounding tremendously and for the Pistons who are a small team right now given the injuries and in the youth uh they need that and I, I think he had 11 boards the other night he's had I want to say at least two or three games with double digit rebounds a, a few more with five or more so um he slightly exceeded my expectations for sure 
So you mentioned uh, KOC's top-ranked prospect, Killian Hayes. Uh, <laughs> he is in his third season, but he's still only 21. Yep. He now has serious competition for ball handling duties with both Cade and Jay Nivey. Do you think the Hayes experiment is nearing its end in Detroit, or do you still hold out hope that he can find a long-term role with this team? Oh, that's a great question. So I think there's a couple things. It's so nuanced. So they did pick up his player option for next year, or his team mm-hmm. option for next year. Uh, so I would imagine that they wouldn't release him, and I'd imagine unless they pull off a trade where they need matching salary, there, he has no value to another team outside of Detroit right now. Uh, so I'd at least think they're going to run this thing until they absolutely have to, which they should. Um, guys have developed late. I mean, if you look, and this is kind of the the face comparison with Killian Hayes, is, is Marcus Smart. Um, if you look at their kind of two- and three-year numbers, they're pretty close. Um, so... The Pistons have no – they're in no rush. They might as well hold on to Killian and see if something just clicks. Uh, I don't see why not. It's it, – it's what do they have to lose? And I think a lot of it is too. I wonder if Troy Weaver, the Pistons GM, wants to hang on to Killian and, and give it as much of a go as he can, aside from kind of that like should be the obligation of a general manager when you draft a young player. Like what's the rush? You might as well see what happens. But that was yep. his first pick. Um, yep. mm-hmm. And I don't think it should be held against him because if you look in that same draft, they got Sadiq Bey and Isaiah Stewart in the first round and have since got Jaden Ivey and Kate Cunningham. So that was kind of my mm-hmm. my my beef with fans. is like, why does everybody keep talking about Killian? Like, they he's, he's kind of destined for a backup role at this point. Uh, he's picked seventh, not fourth or like right. third. Or and in a draft too. that we all went into, like, oh, this is kind of a blah draft. Like, it ended up Tyrese yeah. at 11 or wherever he went, ended up being good. But it's, it wasn't we, going into that draft. That's though, we did every draft, though. Every That's like single, every single draft. draft where you can go back. Like, the, the draft revisionist history is like some of the worst. I hate it's draft like, revisionist history. Yeah. Like, everybody passed on Donovan. Like, Pistons fans are still like, we took Kennard over Mitchell. I'm like, 11 other teams <laughs> passed on Donovan Mitchell. Like, let's relax. Everybody else did, too. Like, everybody yeah. everybody else goofed on Halliburton, too. Yeah, like, it is it is what it is. It's just what happened. So, I think that Troy in the front office, have it's in their best interest, um, unless things just absolutely spiral even more than they have, to just give Killian every opportunity to grow and, and try to make something of that pick. Yeah. Uh, looking at this roster big picture, what are some of the obvious needs? Do you see Detroit being involved in any more trades, kind of like the Boeing on trade, or immediately for like immediately upgrading the roster, or are they kind of happy with this group to let it play out and you know see what their needs are maybe later on? I don't think that they – I would be surprised if they made kind of like a uh, package young guys to go get a star type trade this year. Like I just would be very surprised, mm-hmm. I think – they're they're for the most part happy with their young guys. Um, they're willing to to watch this play out. Um, I I I think right now what they need is size, and that's going to come from in house. Marvin Bagley should be back soon. And I know people are like Marvin Bagley. Like there's people that are on either side of the fence with Marvin Bagley. Well, the Pistons have only had Isaiah Stewart has been their consistent big, who's six nine and plays his ass off. But there's obviously limitations there. Um, yep, and he's a good player, but. Either Jalen Duran, like Jalen Duran's been the only like healthy six ten and up guy, and he missed a week last week. So getting Bagley back and helps. He's a rookie, and he's a rookie, yeah. and he's the youngest player in the league. So yeah. getting Bagley back allows the Pistons to play Stewart and Duran or Stewart and Bagley together, which they wanted to go big to start the year. 
Um, and I think we'll see that more once one of those come back. And I know uh, Pistons fans are tired of hearing me saying this, but I don't think they're as bad as it appears. Like, I think with time, the defense will get better. But I also think, like, the roster will get better with just the subtle additions of Bagley and Alec Burks returning. Like, this is the, this is one of the youngest teams in the league. It's a team that can't afford to have, like, two NBA rotations. Like, those are two of their best eight players out. You can't afford to really miss that and, and survive. The bench play has been atrocious um, up until late when Casey started to to make sure that there was always a starter or two with, with the bench. Um, but, like, yeah, if Alec Burks takes those Diallo or um, – less Killian minutes or Marvin Bagley allows them to play bigger and you can, you can stagger Isaiah more. There's less foul trouble. Like it's just, I think it's going to be a better situation for Detroit. I don't think they panic. Um, and I also don't think that they would mind if somehow they stumbled into when Benyama either. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, you look at the on offs for them. It's Cade, Isaiah Stewart, Sadiq Bay and Bogdanovich are the only positive players. Yeah. Like they're just they just are in need of like can we have like more competence please yeah. like guys that have more experience here. Yep. Yeah. And that's what they need. And I think I'm not going to sit here and say when those guys come back and Alec Burks may return uh, we're recording this on Friday against the Knicks tonight. But like that's not he's not mm-hmm. back. Like the guy has, not, he hasn't played yeah. basketball since April. So I think once they get everybody healthy and up to speed, I'm not going to say they're going to beat the over, but I think this is a team that we're going to see the competitive, the competitiveness more night in and night out, as com- uh, which is what they wanted to come into the season to do. And we haven't; they either win or get blown out. So, uh, I think that'll kind of the waters will level uh, once those guys get back. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Well, James, thank you for answering our questions. Go check out James's writing on The Athletic, his most recent article about that 30th-ranked defense and what he's seeing on film. James, is now time to play... Andrew versus the Beats, our weekly trivia show where Andrew goes head-to-head with an NBA beat writer. This week, of course, it's James Edwards III, beat writer for the (laughs) Detroit Pistons. Uh, Now, James, how this works, I've come up with eight questions related to the Pistons. Some are easy, some are hard. You're going to give me a number between one and eight. It'll correspond to a question. If you get it right, you'll get at least two points. If you get it wrong, Andrew will have a chance to steal, and we'll go back and forth 
until all the questions have been asked and answered. So James, I just need you to start us off with a number between one and eight. Four. Question number four. Ooh, this is a good one. Jalen Duran was born on November 18th, 2003. That night, the Detroit Pistons beat the Los Angeles Lakers 106-96 to at the Palace of Auburn Hills. 11 Pistons played that night. How many can we name? So how this works, James, you're going to give me a name of a Piston who played in that November 2003 game. Then Andrew will give me one. We'll go back and forth until one of you stumbles. Okay. Oh I love this. All right. So I kick it off. Yeah. Ben Wallace. Ben Wallace is correct. Andrew. Chauncey Billups. Chauncey Billups is correct. Back to James. Rip. Correct. Back to Andrew. I think he's going to slip up on somebody. Tayshawn Prince. Tayshawn Prince is correct. Back to James. Corliss Williamson. Corliss Williamson is correct. Back to Andrew. Andrew, what do you got for me? And they have to have played in the game. Oh! Mehmet Okur is correct. Back to James. Cliff Robinson. Cliff Robinson. That might have been is incorrect, Andrew. You got the point. The other oh, names. That one feels good. I was getting very nervous. I knew it wasn't Rashid, one. and I was like, who was the other big? Yeah, it, it's not Rashid, and Darko wasn't getting minutes at that point. So it was Eldon Campbell, Bob Sura, Tremaine Fawkes, Lindsey Hunter, and Lakers head coach oh Darvin Ham, who played 48 right. seconds in that game. Oh, my God. Gosh. Well, I'm I'm glad that we both got to the spot we should have got at. Like those <laughs> are the, was my last one, and I didn't even feel good yeah, about. I it. I almost said, like, was Okur if, on that? If I would have got Cliff right, I would have went with like Carlos Delfino next. It would have been oh, man, <laughs> Carlos Arroyo. Uh, Andrew, you're on the board, and the board is yours. Number one question. Number one. Over the last three seasons, Bogdan Bogdanovich has hit 479 three pointers. Good for 25th most in the league over that three-year span. Who has hit the most three-pointers over the last three seasons with 815 made threes? Buddy Heald? Andrew, that is correct for two Uh, points. It was Andrew. I was either him or Donovan, I was going to say, because I just saw a stat that Buddy's like the only one that can catch Donovan through his first, like quickest to 1,000 threes, I think. I saw that stat today. Yeah. Oh, nice. Uh, okay, James, it's back to you. <sighs> Wait, he got two for that? Uh, he did because it was his question. Oh, so that's right. Question. Yeah. Yeah. Seven, that's right. I forgot. Seven. Question number seven. Okay. Uh, only two ball handlers in the league have more pick and roll possessions per game than Cade Cunningham. Name them both, and you get a point per correct answer. (laughs) Luka Doncic? That is incorrect. Andrew, you have a chance to steal. Wow. Wow. (sighs) What about Donovan Mitchell? That is also incorrect. The correct names were Trey Young and Ja Morant. Those are the only mm-hmm. two ball handlers who have more pick and roll possessions than Cade Cunningham this really? season. Wow. Okay. That's a wow. great Andrew. question. Jeez. Thank you. Uh, number two. Question number two. Okay, Andrew. Jaden Ivey 
averaged exactly 15 points per game through his first 10 NBA games. In Detroit Pistons history, there are only five players who have ever averaged at least 15 points per game in their first 10 NBA games. How many can you name? Now, Andrew, there's five names. You potentially could get five points. You won't, but you could. You won't? Uh, Cade? No! That is wrong. It was less than 15 points. So that means, James, you could clean up here if you could name five Pistons no! who averaged exactly fi- no! or, or averaged at least 15 points in their first 10 NBA I games. I forgot. He had like a rough start. Yeah. I remember like Thunder fans were on Reddit like, oh, Josh Giddy is better than James. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, we did. He you missed know, all the camp in preseason. Yeah. Remember he started 0 for 21 it. from three. Um, yes. Grant Hill. Shoot. That is correct. Oh, no. And this is... I'm sorry. Um, this is they came into the. You said rookies, right? Like Blake Griffin yeah, doesn't count. Their very first okay. ten NBA games okay. as a rookie. Yeah. Okay. Um, Isaiah Thomas. That is correct. This is not good. And now's where it gets. Uh, it gets very interesting. There are names here that I've never seen before in my life. <laughs> <laughs> Dave Bing. Dave Bing. Good guess. The other names. Don Ole, Bailey Howell, and Kelly Tripuka. <laughs> all right, that's the only name I know I've heard of the, okay. all those. Yeah. That was a great question for you, James, though, because you got two points and the board is yours. So you're now yes. only down by one. Oh, and you let's have control. Bang. Let's do let's do eight. Okay, question number eight. Dwayne Casey is quickly coming up on his one thousandth NBA win as a head coach. How many Oh, no, no, not not win. Take that back. Thousands NBA game as a head coach. How many active NBA coaches have coached more games than Dwayne Casey? Now, you don't have to name them. You just have to give me a number. Okay. Mm. Uh, can I ask you just a question? Uh, how, how close yeah. is he? Uh, he's like seven away. I think he's at okay, like 993. Just, 993 or 994. I want to make a mental note of that. Um, Pop? Popovich? Oh, I, oh! I'm not going to tell you yes or no. You just have to give me a number. You have to say oh. a number. Oh, I'm you're sorry. Welcome, you're, I'm you're sorry. welcome to think out loud. Okay, I'm sorry. Could help Andrew. That could help Andrew. How many active NBA coaches have coached more games than Dwayne Casey? There's one I'm iffy on. Oh wait, is head coach only? Uh, yeah. What would? What does that mean? <laughs> What does that question mean? Well, just there's like a lot of guys that were assistants for a long time. Yes, I'm not counting their assistant coach. Okay, just asking. Games. I don't know why I can't ask that. Five. I'm not that dumb. Five. That is absolutely correct for two points. And James is pulled oh, in the league. No. Now, can, I, uh, can I ask you who they are? Yes. I was can. iffy on Steve Clifford. So Steve Clifford was not one. I didn't think I so. I have a feeling you probably got Pop, Doc, and Spo. Yep. Carlisle. And then Carlisle. And then the fifth one is Nate McMillan. Oh, I missed him. And I kind of just uh, went with Thibodeau as my fifth. Yeah. And Thibodeau is right below Dwayne Casey. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. He was the guy I was thinking of. Andrew, you are now down by one with only three questions to go. Excuse me? Um, (laughs) I love that question. Nothing, Alex. Nothing. Okay. Number three. Question number three. Okay. Question number three. According to Cleaning the Glass, the Pistons are the worst team in the league at the rim, shooting 57% there. Only one Detroit Piston is shooting above average for his position at the rim. Who is it? Oh, my gosh. 
<laughs> it's like so nitty gritty. <laughs> hey, if you know cleaning the glass, you know what I'm talking about. Only one Detroit Piston is shooting above average for his position. <sighs> okay. At the rim. Is it Jaden Ivey? Andrew, that is correct. For two points, and Andrew pulls right. back in the lead. It's now Ooh. five to four. James, there's two questions left. Number five or number six? Let's go six, because I need six to be in the lead. Okay, six. There have been ten two-man lineups on the Pistons that have played more than 250 minutes together. Which two-man pair has been the best so far this season? And you get one point per correct name. Caden Bogdanovich. Okay, so Cade is correct. So you do get a point for that. Bogdanovich was incorrect. So, Andrew, you have a chance to steal one point if you can name the other player in that two-man lineup who has been the best so far for the Pistons. I don't know who it is. Okay. And best means is minus it... three net rating. <laughs> <laughs> is, it beef, is it beef stew? Andrew, it is beef stew. I, son of a yes. B word, man. And that brings us to the final question. And this is a great question to have as the final answer. All right. <laughs> and James, you could still get points here. You could still win. Okay. Kevin Knox is a player on the Detroit Pistons. <laughs> what is his career high in points? Now, Andrew, you get to choose who answers first. You could answer first, oh and then James will go gosh. higher or lower. Or... You can make James answer first, and you could go higher or low. But what if James knows it exactly? His career high, like in a season? Uh, in, a, in a single game, his career oh, okay. high points in, okay. the, in the games. Okay. I'll let James guess. Okay, James, if you nail this, or if Andrew goes wrong on the over-under, you could, actually, you would tie. You would tie. 22. 22. Andrew, would you like to go higher or lower? Great number. I feel like I set Great the bar number. a little low, though. Yeah, I'll go higher. Kevin Knox, once upon a time, scored 31 points in a game. Yeah! Which means Andrew has won the week. All right. Eight to five. That was a high-scoring affair. Ooh, I almost said 32. That was one of the more... Oh, man. That was one of the most fun... <laughs> that was fun. Who, fun rounds of Andrew versus the beat. Who did he score 31 on? Do you have that available? Uh, I can look it up real quick. Uh, let's see here. Kevin Knox, career high. Kevin. Watch it be the He did it against the Sixers, January 13th, 2019. Wow. That Ke- feels impossible. Shout out to Kevin. Like, that just feels impossible. <laughs> well, <laughs> go check it out Kevin. on YouTube. It's right here. You can watch the full highlights. Right I got to watch that, actually. I do have to. I want to watch that. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, go check out James on The Athletic. Go listen to the Bun and Cardigan show. Even if you're just an NBA fan, maybe you're not a Pistons fan. I'm not a Pistons fan, but I listen to it because it's just a fun show. So go listen Thank to you. that. You can get it on uh, iTunes, uh, Spotify, all those places. James, thanks so much, man. Hey, thank you guys for having me. This is one of my favorite podcasts. I appreciate you guys bringing me back, man. Thank you. Okay, Andrew, that was fun. Fun week with the Pistons, wasn't it? It was fun. We had a blast. I mean, there were parts of it were fun. Parts of it were fun. But, yeah. Um, Seeing our own team lose, seeing them come back, that was the (laughs) highlight of the week. (laughs) I blame the wheel. I blame the wheel. Uh, Okay, so we have 26 teams remaining. Still a lot of options. Are there any names that jump out to you, like teams you uh, maybe haven't been watching as much you'd like to do a deep dive on? Oh, you know. I'm thinking the Wolves. I've watched. 
I want to know what's going Gosh. on in Minnesota. The wolves need the uh, need the wheel bump. There's no doubt about that. Uh, I, I'm always up for more New Orleans Pelicans basketball. Okay. So I I would love that. I don't know what's going on in Charlotte. Well, I don't know how they're winning games. Uh, let's see what we're gonna get. Uh, no. <laughs> No! The no! Los Angeles Lakers. Wow. We get them before Thanksgiving. We get to diagnose the problems before we get to give thanks, and they get to make some trades. Yeah. So that's good, I guess. That's cool. I mean, maybe it maybe it needs to just be a fake trade segment. Oh, uh, you know? Yeah, let's see who, who they're playing. I know they play, uh, so they play Sacramento tonight without LeBron. This is on. Yeah. This is going to be on Friday night. Then they play yeah, Brooklyn yeah. on Sunday on NBA TV. Brooklyn, who's now looking very frisky. Then, yep. actually, that's it, because their next game is Friday against the Detroit Pistons. Okay. So All right. just two that's games. Okay. Sacramento Kings, Brooklyn Nets. Honestly, kind of nice. It is kind of nice. Yeah, the Brooklyn Nets one is especially juicy. So it is juicy, and I, 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 I guess. And, and I, I was reading about this because, you know, LeBron's out, and this is the weird schedule mm-hmm. quirk they were talking about because he can be out until the 18th and only miss two games. So we we're yeah. going to get to see we we're going to get to see Westbrook Lakers. It feels I guess it feels meant to be a little bit, a little bit, maybe. <laughs> uh, go leave us a five star review on Apple Podcasts. If you do, we'll read it on the show. Just like this review from the PHX Five stars. Adam from Albany, New York. Five stars. Shout out to Alex and Andrew for always making weekend chores tolerable. I'm looking forward to the Wheel of Fandom gracing my sons with a winning week at some point. And to quote the great Jimmy Buckets, uh, the Saturday Slam and Jam fans need Andrew to get stupidly locked in for this season's Andrew versus the Beat. We'll accept nothing less than a 500 winning percentage. Keep up the great work. I was locked in today. Got the win today. Uh, our next review comes from at the real Lindgren. Five stars. Cartoons used to be the first thing I did on a Saturday morning when I was younger, but now it's a Saturday slam and jam. Great job to the hosts and the weekly special guests for having me for having interesting conversations. Alex has the best weekly breakdown since Mel Allen's this week in baseball. Totally agree. It's something that I look forward to listening to live as we record it. It's great. Um, and then this last one comes from Piston Chris, five stars. The Saturday Slam and Jam podcast with Andrew and Alex is a masterpiece among a solid lineup of pods, funny, smart, and essential. They work hard to find angles and create coverage that the media and other pods don't have time for or don't care about, which is great. Thank you so much for that review and for all the reviews that we read this week. If you would like to leave us a five-star review, we will read it on the podcast So please do that. Um, Enjoy your weekend and enjoy the basketball. And we will talk to you guys again next Saturday. Hey, baseball fans, this is Derek Van Riper. Now that spring training games are underway, opening day is just a few weeks away. Eno Saris and I have been getting ready for the season all winter on Rates and Barrels. Whether you're a seasoned fantasy player, a baseball stats junkie, or just someone who wants to learn more about the game, 
Join us for four episodes each week this season, including our new Friday live stream with former big leaguer Trevor May. Check out the live stream on Fridays at 1 o'clock Eastern on the Rates and Barrels YouTube channel, or listen to the show wherever you enjoy your podcasts, including the ad-free option on the Athletic app.